I'm your host, Effie Pilarinu, and today I have the pleasure to connect uh, to Sydney uh, to, to Dr. Mark van Riefmenen. I don't know. I think I've killed your name. What's your last <laughs> name, Mark? Well, thank you very much, Effie. Uh, my last name is Van Rijmenam, but everyone makes, the, makes, makes anything out of it. So that's all okay. So, so let me quickly try to say the many hats that you're wearing. You're a futurist. You have written four books. We'll be discussing today your new book about the, the metaverse with, with Wiley. Um, and you are, I think, the first digital speaker that I know at least, right? You have your digital avatar, who is the anchor of the tech uh, journal. And, and of course, today we are going to be talking about digital twins and, and the metaverse. You're also the founder of uh, Dataflock, which is a data analytics company, right? Uh, and, yeah. and again, you, you wear so many hats. Uh, they're all around um, innovation, um, and and you know both from web two and and web uh, three. I hope I gave justice to to this briefing, Mark. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be in your show, Effie. And 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 again, uh, uh, congratulations for your new uh, book. It's by Wiley. Step into the metaverse. I think the subtitle um, is more important as usual um, than the title itself. And, and I keep two key words from it, uh, the word of immersive and, and social economy. And, and I look forward to discussing um, with you uh, the, these topics that are very um, important. It, tell us in your book, first of all, you talk about six main characteristics of the vision of, of, of the metaverse. Tell us those, walk us through those characteristics, please. And then I'd like to, to discuss with you and hear from you which ones are more at risk or which ones have already taken a priority in, in the real world. Sure, happy to happy to do so, happy uh, and uh, yeah. So my book, Shepherd to the Metaverse, really has been um, as a written as a blueprint for an open metaverse. Um, and to, to write the book, I, I did a hundred in-depth interviews with the stakeholders who are building this open metaverse, um, as well as another hundred and fifty surveys of people who are involved in, in building this metaverse. Um, and that really helped me understand uh, uh, one what the metaverse is uh, because it's such a novel concept, but two also uh, why it is so important that we are building an open metaverse. And I really want to stress that because uh, there's no guarantee that we'll end up end up in an open metaverse. You know, it might very well be that we will end up in a um, uh, Ready Player One scenario, a Snow Crash scenario, um, where the metaverse is owned by um, a few big tech. And I think we should do whatever it takes to avoid that from happening. And it's it's that requires a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication from uh, the developers who are building the metaverse, but also the consumers who are consuming um, the metaverse. And um, so in, indeed, in my book, I describe um, uh, six characteristics of, of an open metaverse. And in a nutshell, um, uh, so these are interoperability, decentralization, persistency, spatiality, community-driven, and self-sovereignty. 
Um, and if I go through them uh, uh, briefly, that means basically interoperability is first that we are able to uh, take our assets, um, our data, our digital assets, our identity from one platform to another. Um, it means that we don't have to create a new, a new account and ever, whenever we go to a new virtual world or an augmented experience, but also that we can take out our assets that we that we that we collect or buy or win or, or whatsoever in those virtual worlds and take them from one world to another so we can take our uh, wearables our skins um, from let's say fortnite to let's say minecraft um, both which is obviously not possible today um, but in the future hopefully version of an open metaverse it will be possible to take those um, assets from one platform to another now, to achieve that, what we need to have is um, decentralization. We need blockchain technology to enable it so that we are, are in full control over our own data, our own assets, and our own identity so that we determine who gets access to that data, uh, where, and how we can use it. Um, and only once we have that decentralization, then it becomes possible to have that interoperability. Now, with decentralization... So, sorry to interrupt you, Mark, but I mean, because... You're, you're making it seem like blockchain um, is required. And, and what I hear from you is it's only required if we manage to, to build an open metaverse. But if we don't, it could be built without blockchain. Absolutely. We, we don't need blockchain technology um, in a closed metaverse. There's yeah. no reason for crypto. There's no reason for NFTs uh, because in a closed metaverse, we have a centralized entity who controls the metaverse and with that controls our digital lives. Um, so um, And the centralized entity can just determine or you can move your assets between the virtual worlds that are connected to the centralized entity. And there's absolutely no need for blockchain for all of this. Um, however, that means that we don't control our own data, we don't control our own assets. So if we do want to control the data and assets, then we need decentralization. Now, a third component to an open metaverse is persistency, which basically means that if we create something in this open metaverse, we want to be certain that if we buy or build, let's say, a house or a building, that the next day that house or building is still there. Just like in the physical world, when you come back from home, from work, you want, you want your house to be there and not that, that your neighbor demolished it because he didn't like you. Um, so um, and the same applies to the metaverse. Uh, obviously, this comes also with, with challenges because, you know, if, if, if you can't delete anything in the metaverse, um, I can put up a, um, a, some a nasty billboard in a, in a virtual world and that then can also not be deleted. So that comes with, with, with also with definitely with some, some challenges attached to it. Uh, which is why it's so important to have the right governance and the right rules and uh, regulation within the metaverse. Now, the fourth component is spatiality, which means that we are able to, to attach spatial anchors to whatever assets we have in the virtual world. To remind you, um, um, at the moment, it's not possible to find anything in the open metaverse, in the metaverse. Well, first of all, because the metaverse doesn't exist yet. Uh, but two, um, if you were wanted to find, let's say, asset, uh, I don't know, uh, ABC in virtual world um, X, um, you can't just go to a search engine and see where that asset is, or for that matter, where your friend is, in which virtual world, and, and then within the virtual world at which coordinates. So that, that's not possible. So we need spatial anchors to make that happen. Now, the fifth component is community-driven. And this very much refers to the social component I've mentioned in my title. Um, generation Z, Generation Alpha, they are the, the digital, they are the metaverse natives. Um, and a community is everything, you know? Um, you, you, you have friends from all over the world. Uh, globalization is not really a thing because that's just the way you do, you, 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 you operate as a, as a Generation Alpha. Um, and 
um, I think that community is so, so important. And, you know, uh, uh, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, are a big part of that. And as an organization, if you want to do something in the metaverse, you have to acknowledge both communities. Um, the six component, and pretty most likely even the most important component, I think, is self-sovereignty. Um, self-sovereignty of identity and self-sovereignty of reputation, which basically means you have full control over your, your own identity. And it's not possible for a centralized identity because they don't like you to just delete you. And I think, um, you know, when we have a self-sovereign identity, we have identity which is portable, so you can move it from one place to another. Um, it's persistent, can not be deleted. It's protected, it cannot be hacked. Um, um, it's it's private um, and it's personal. So it's all about you uh, and not anyone can't just get access to it uh, without your uh, approval. Um, and I think if we have these six components and what I always tell you know, organizations when I um, help them understand the metaverse is uh, whatever you're gonna do within the metaverse, try to embed these characteristics in whatever you are doing because that's the only way we can achieve an open metaverse. Um, uh, and I think we should all want that. So we should do our best to achieve that. Interesting. It seems to me that um, in our uh, physical world, if we manage to build this type of uh, metaverse with these principles, if you like, maybe we can learn uh, from the metaverse and and um, transform some some of our practices in the physical world, especially related to identity and and the rights around identity. Um, as as the world we know lives in, in a, you know the physical world, you know the, the the rights of people to their identity and to their physical assets are not that um, democratic, if you want, uh, as as you're de describing. Uh, and and, um... and unfortunately not, and it, it, it's been a real challenge because I first described the concept of self-sovereign identity in my second book, uh, which was called Blockchain, um, in 2018, um, and uh, that's now four years ago, and um, you know um, it, it's still an ongoing struggle, and it will probably be an, on, an ongoing struggle for the next five to ten years before we manage to hopefully come to a solution where we have full control over our, our own identity. Uh, but I do think that it's it, it's absolutely crucial to to yeah um, to strive for that. Yeah, Mark, I, I, from uh, following you on, on LinkedIn and, and the content, I understand that you have a strong opinion uh, around um, digital real estate. Uh, can you share with us uh, your point of view? Yes, definitely. I definitely have a strong opinion on digital real estate, and I think it doesn't make sense. So, <laughs> and um, uh, it's quite it's quite funny because a couple of weeks ago, Mark Cuban um, said sort of the same thing. So I think he must have read my book. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but I, I really don't think it makes sense to spend millions of dollars on a piece of scarce digital real estate in a in a virtual world um, that might not be there two years from now. Um, and um, you know, first of all, because the world, uh, the digital world, is is infinite. You know, we don't have any. Uh, we do not. We're not bound by the laws of physics. So um, I can understand you create artificial scarcity, but to pay millions of dollars for that, I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, um, secondly, um, you know, the, the the current virtual worlds are really um, um, metaverse zero point one. I would say, you know, it's um, decentralized and, and and sandbox. They're cool environments. But this is not how the metaverse will look like 10 years from now. Um, and because these are decentralized platforms, they're very difficult to upgrade. Um, um, and if it's a centralized platform, you know, 
digital real estate doesn't make sense at all because then you're basically sponsoring a centralized entity. Um, so by definition, because they are decentralized, they are difficult to upgrade. So for moving from a decentralized land um, with a low polygon uh, uh, design to a like a hyper-realistic decentralized, that's going to be very, very hard work and might not guarantee to succeed. And in the meantime, other platforms might have come by who are you know doing much better. So that that that's 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 also an issue. Then I, uh, I mentioned the issue of um, uh, a persistency. You, know, you can buy a, fee, um, uh, a piece of land on the land for a million dollars, let's say. Um, and you know, um, I might not like you. So I buy the piece of land next to it and I put up a very big billboard and saying something very nasty about Effie. Um, there's nothing you can do about that, but your million dollar investment has just gone down the drain and it's worth nothing anymore. So there are so many challenges um, adhere to, to, to uh, uh, virtual real estate, digital real estate, that I really do not, do not believe in. And I think there are better solutions uh, to, to combat spam and to get rid of, you know, of, 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 of bad actors um, and to make, potentially also make some money as a, as, a, as a startup because there's nothing wrong with making money as a, you know, uh, a platform owner to, to build something. But I don't think that the digital real estate is the right way to go. Interesting. And, and you know, the, the artificial scarcity that, that you mentioned is not protected by, by anything. I mean, uh, it's artificial scarcity that some company has created, but can be copied. Uh, and uh, uh, like it's happened in the DeFi world, right? Uh, copying dApps uh, and, and competing in a way, in a traditional way by, by you know, offering... Uh, higher rewards or better rewards and so on and and you know that game has a a, a finite uh, end absolutely right absolutely you can just you know if you if you're um, a, a bad actor uh, you can just create a virtual um, uh, land and just continue to expand the land and you know and that's basically the same thing that happened in second life um, um, you know, Second Life did the same thing, and it, at some point, those who you know, because it was continuously expanding, you had to buy land at the outer riches of of the land itself. Um, and if you wanted to go there, there where it happened, it took you ages to get there. So this is not something that's new. Um, you know, this is um, um, we've been here before. So um, yeah, um, again, um, for me, digital buying you know, digital real estate for millions of dollars is nonsense. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty vocal about that. Mark, share with us some thoughts around the challenges of digitalization in the metaverse. And what I mean is, um, you know, in the physical world, uh, we talk all the time about the digitalization challenges of existing businesses, right? Whether it's moving to the cloud or changing their business model, you know, all that, all that spectrum. Now, within the metaverse we're talking about digitalization you already mentioned some challenges of needing to upgrade but what are uh, the challenges in, in the digitalization in the metaverse i know it's early but could you give us some um ideas around that well i i think the, the biggest challenge is the fact that it's early days um and um, the metaphors, um, you know, um, uh, as some of you might envision from the, the books of like, you know, Ready Player One, is really still five to seven, if not 10 years away. Um, um, and 
you can best compare the metaverse to the early days of the mobile web, you know, when we had the first iPhone 3G and just had an app store, you know, the apps that we had, you know, uh, that were highly popular then were apps that allowed you to, to drink beer with your iPhone by, you know, by, <laughs> and then the beer would, the glass would empty with a little, little, little bit of sound. Those were the apps that we were developing in 2008. Um, and obviously we laugh about this app, but this is the same thing is happening today with the metaverse. It's super early days and we're still exploring. We don't know what Apple is going to do with their headset. We don't know what kind of fantastic new AR glasses we're, we're getting in two, three, five years from now. I've seen smart contact lenses already today. Well, imagine them five years from now when they are just, you know, uh, uh, super high tech uh, 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 devices that you can use without any problems. Uh, connect an app store to it and all of a sudden you have infinite layers that we can build on top of our physical reality. Um, so. Um, we cannot foresee really um, um, what we can expect them to happen and what kind of creativity we can expect people to come up with. Um, so I think the biggest challenge for digitalization in the metaverse is um, st starting today to understand what the metaverse is and means for your business, but don't think that this is the end game. You know, um, um, uh, this is early days, which you, um, I always advise organizations to step into the metaverse today to start to learn and explore and, and try to figure out what this all means. But it doesn't mean that this is the end game. We are, it's like the start of the internet, the pets.com era that we are in. Um, and I think that's that's what people need to be aware of, that um, you know, uh, yeah, some 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 cool NFT campaigns such as you know, and M and M's did recently with with the Bordeaux Club, I believe. Uh, you know, those things are really cool. Or the, the you know the 180 million dollars that Nike uh, sold using NFTs, really cool examples. Um, and that's what I recommend companies to to start doing. Start exploring these kind of initiatives to understand. Yep what this means. Um, and then, of course, we, when I say this, we're talking about, on the one hand, consumer brands, but on the other hand, we have the enterprise brands, you know, the manufacturers who can use digital twins to start learning and, and, and interacting with the metaverse. Um, and that's a whole different ballgame um, that they need to need to explore. Um, so, yeah, my, the main challenge is, as I said, you know, uh, starting to understand what this means for you as a business. Yeah, yeah. I actually last uh, recently I wrote an article about Starbucks' intention to to develop an NFT strategy, if you want. And as they are a major brand that has done so well in consumer loyalty, you know, in the early days when mobile apps and ordering were, were you know, uh, very early. So you know, watching them, what they do with it is is something on my radar and as you said those are consumer brands i can't even imagine what will happen uh with with b2b and and i think we should not be mocking uh you know the different brands we, we like to mock uh, uh, in the banking world you know hsbc and jp morgan about what they are doing in the metaverse but it's really you know positioning themselves and you know trying well, it, it's learning them. Indeed. Yeah, it's 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 learning, and I think you should you know, celebrate them for that for for doing that uh, because the end the other result is be becoming the blockbusters of today of, of today's world. Um, so I'm starting to explore what this all means. Um, and uh, you know, as I said, I, I I spoke and interviewed and surveyed around 250 people for my book. I got 250 different definitions of what the metaverse means. You know, uh, the meta people the metaverse is very abstract for for a lot of people. Um, so, um, and the best way to understand what the metaverse is for your business is if you, as your business, start 
stepping into the metaverse, exploring what this means, because then you can really start to understand um, uh, uh, yeah, how the metaverse will impact your business. Of course, reading my book is a great starting point, but I think well, it's better almost, I would say, to start with just doing this kind of stuff. Yes, but having this blueprint, uh, as, as you said, uh, of what are the possibilities and, and how they could fit or, or be used in your in the business that that um, is happening um any any thoughts or insights around the finance industry during your interviews and and finance is also very broad these days right because finance is also delivered by non banking entities and and so on is uh, did you uh, talk to people in um in the broad world of of finance uh, and and got some feedback on the the metaverse. What I think when I look at finance and the metaverse, I think the the, the industry is um, at the at the edge of major disruption. Um, and um, I think you know, uh, ten years from now, the financial industry will look completely different um, um, because in the metaverse. You know, um, crypto is what will make the metaverse go round, as I always say. Um, and the NFTs are playing such a major role here because I mean, NFTs um, um, done correctly, um, they allow you to have full control over the assets that you have. Uh, but if you can prove the ownership of, of a digital asset, it means you can monetize a digital asset. Just like when in the real world, uh, when you can prove the ownership of a house, uh, that house moves from shelter to a, a way of investment. Um, and I think that is uh, what we can, we're going to see to happen in, in the metaverse, that you know, owning and proving the ownership of digital assets will allow you to monetize that. And in order to monetize that, you're not going to use traditional financial instruments, you're going to use DeFi. Um, and um, you, you're, you're able to, to, to monetize NFTs, sell them, borrow against them, um, uh, 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 fractionalize them, et cetera but using decentralized finance mechanisms, not using using traditional finance mechanisms uh, because they are too slow, too expensive um, and, and too cumbersome. Um, and now to, for, for all this to really happen, I think there's a lot of work to be done in the DeFi world uh, because one of the biggest problems in the DeFi world, I think, um, is that it has a massive UI and UX problem uh, because it's super difficult, super annoying um, to do something with, uh, you know, to to drop an NFT in a DeFi protocol to borrow against it, <laughs> just to, to, to yeah. put some buzzwords here in one in one sentence, um, um, is really difficult. Um, and the average, you know, John Doe will not be able to do that. So if we want to make DeFi truly accessible, then we need to, you know, uh, up our game from a UI and UX perspective, so that using DeFi becomes as easy as using your credit card online. Yeah, and that's why I think the big consumer brands like Nike and Starbucks can at least familiarize the masses with holding a wallet with an NFT in the first place, right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, if we manage to get those numbers at a mass scale, then we can start, you know, adding uh, features uh, to it. So yeah. I'm, I'm watching that type of metric of wallets in in with digital assets even if they are non you know of low value but but you familiarize yourself with you know a ticket you know be it yeah. ticket master or or a reward um some reward from 
Starbucks or, or well, well that, 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 that's one thing where I see a lot of a massive potential for the for the financial industry um, is to become a, a custodian of decentralized wallets, which seems really you know an oxymoron because it's you know centralizing the decentralized. Uh, but I think we'll have to because again, John Doe um, 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 will be find it very difficult to protect um, his own private key, which holds his entire uh, offline and digital life. Um, you know, people lose their passports and their phones all the time. So uh, now imagine you you having you turned your house uh, into an NFT and you want to drop your NFT into a DeFi protocol to get a mortgage, and you're doing the wrong thing. Did you then lose your house? Um, um, you know, and and um, uh, are you still liable for the mortgage? You know, <laughs> these kind of things are, are. We need to solve these, and this is where I see a role for banks because they have proven, um, I think, for uh, for for uh, to the best extent uh, compared to all the other industries, to be able to be capable of of holding value um, and um, holding value from a, a, a you know let's say a private key linked to a personal identity uh, which then also can be sort of backed up backed up or what so some kind of way that that if John Doe loses his private key that he's not you know completely uh, <laughs> disappeared from the earth um, uh, we really need to have the solution and that's why I see that 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 the financial services industry has a big opportunity yes uh, but they have to get involved in creating standards uh, absolutely first, right and and the best practices standards because if we wait for the regulators it's it's going to be absolutely i completely agree yeah uh, uh, and and this is um uh, the case uh, mark thank you so much for um all these uh, insights uh, of course i will share with our audience the links to your your books and and your linkedin and um uh, I look forward to speaking to you uh, later, let's say in a year to see what has happened uh, from all that, uh, you know, is, is happening today and, and what we're talking about today, because there is so much happening in the market, right? Absolutely. And uh, that sounds like a great idea, Afi, and thank you very much for having me. It's been a great pleasure.